Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. And on today's talk, we feature Everyman Jack's retention manager, Troy Petronoff. Now, this podcast is a masterclass on retention for consumable products. Troy is a veteran email marketer who joined Everyman Jack this past March and has set his sights on email automation domination. Everyman Jack was a first mover into the men's natural grooming industry starting in 2007 and flourishing in retail channels before setting their sights on D2C growth. This conversation covers the most critical factors for customer retention for a brand in 2021, how QR codes are making a comeback and how to use them, how bundling has come to define D2C success for Everyman Jack, and why SEO is the investment every brand needs to make like yesterday. As well, you'll find out what it's been like to partner with Marvel and finally find out what Iron Man smells like. On with the show. Automations are crucial. The numbers vary, but generally, it's a pretty even split in terms of revenue generated from our automated flows versus campaigns. I think it's just a a way to work smarter and not harder is really by focusing on automations, especially when you're kind of ramping up. They are not a set it and forget it thing. That's definitely not a smart way to go about it. You constantly have to make updates and tweaks. Automations are really something I think that every email marketer should prioritize. Too often, marketers struggle to turn customer data into actions in a timely manner. Simon Data's customer data platform gives you the ability to drive faster marketing results from a centralized platform. Visit simondata.com DTC to see how Simon can help you accelerate time to value, boost revenue, and improve your marketing team efficiency. Unlock the power of your customer data today by visiting simondata.com DTC. Welcome to the podcast, Troy. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Eric. I'm excited to be here. Nice. You are a retention expert. So what do you see as the most critical factors for D2C brands um, and their customer retention? Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. A super important one that I think you really have to start questioning um, very early as you kind of create a brand and and start building it out. Um, You, you know, the product, I think, always kind of everything starts with the products you have to have a great product that you know people want to to purchase again and again that obviously depending on what that product is sometimes you don't need to purchase it that frequently uh in the case of everyman jack where i work it's men's grooming you know it's you gotta replace uh refill your body wash your deodorant about every three months a brand i worked at uh, previously was more in the vision care space. And we were pumped if customers came back to us once a year. Um, that was kind of selling glasses and lens replacement. So it depends on the product. Uh, but having a great product and having a great customer experience um, is crucial. And then of course, comes the channels um, that I really focus on that are really key for for retention. Email is a huge one. Uh, I know people talk about email a lot. Uh, it's an own channel, which is increasingly important, uh, in my opinion. SMS, I kind of view as like almost like the little brother of email. Um, I found a lot of success with it. It's a lot um, less resource intensive, which is kind of nice. And you can kind of move quicker and uh, you don't really need a full design team or whatever to to build out effective email flows and campaigns. Um, but really, you know, having the great flows, great automations, 
within email and SMS uh, are really crucial with driving retention. And then, yeah, it, again, customer experience is huge. Um, thinking about things like your packaging, the inserts that go in into those. Those are all really kind of important elements with customer retention. What was the, the thinking in retention before you joined? You joined in March of 2020? No, this year. Just this just year. Just this year, just this of 2021. And, and so what were some of the first things that you put your hands around? And what were some of the first major projects that, that you enacted? Yeah, so to give you context, so Everyman Jack's been around since 2007. We started in stores. We're natural men's grooming. So even kind of going back to 2007, we were ahead of the curve, if you will, on that whole space and almost even men's grooming. And then the natural stuff is, I feel like, been blowing up recently. So we were in stores. Obviously, they noticed the trend of e-commerce booming in the past few years. So about three years ago, you know, we launched everymanjack.com. Uh, we're also on Amazon, walmart.com. You know, we're all in all the, the major chains, but we didn't have our own kind of website until... Uh, just a few years ago. And then really in the past year, so I, our marketing team uh, uh, grew from about like two, three people last year to a little over 10 currently. Um, and I'm on the performance side and we're really, really focused on everymanjack.com. And, you know, I have a colleague that focuses on acquisition, someone else on search. Um, and again, I'm retention. And so I came in and we had like the basic you know, almost like the stock out of the box automation setup. So we had a very basic welcome flow, browse abandon, abandon cart. We didn't yet have a post purchase, you know, flow activated at all. And then we were, you know, sending campaigns, um, just if there was a sale or specific promos, new product launches, it was all really the, the stock out of the box, you know, templates that you, uh, that something like attentive our SMS platform kind of presents you with. Uh, so that was my first project in focus. And honestly, we're still working on it. I mean, we just kind of launched, relaunched a, a thank you message that comes three days post-purchase. And that's been like a, a kind of a, a recent effort uh, along with, you know, a bunch of new kind of upsell stuff. So it was really getting a handle on what is going out currently to our customers, what's working. And then, you know, almost all of it needed a complete revamp. Yeah, because I, you know, often when you start these things, you do sort of a paint by numbers, as you say, where you know, here's what I should do. Um, but then, as you dive into it, you let the data tell a story, and then you can actually, you know, not do what you should do for your brand and your exact situation. Exactly, exactly. I mean, yeah, there, there's so so much to it. Testing is just a constant. <laughs> uh, I think every you know, especially performance marketer, but every marketer is if they're not, you know, testing minded, uh, really have to be. What's something you've tested in the past, uh, let's call it three, four weeks that you're going to, you know, you know, that will allow you to pivot and make a choice going forward? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, one thing that I, I, it was a small test uh, that I didn't really expect any major results, but over the Labor Day uh, weekend, that was this past weekend, of course, we ran, you know, a sale uh, on the site. And what we did within those emails, we had two calls to action. Um, so we had a button for shop bundles and then a button for shop bestsellers right next to each other. And of course, you know, we break up our, our sends. So we had our sends to our non-purchasers, to our um, single purchasers, to our repeat purchasers. And the results there were consistent that people that have not purchased yet from us 
uh, it was like a five percent, five to six percent increase or more clicks over to bundles. And then for people that have purchased from us already, they were clicking over to bestsellers. That makes sense to me. Uh, a product, we've been making a, a big push on bundles in the past like four months. Um, we launched about 16 bundles, which is a lot, but you know we're testing. Um, so that, that kind of assortment will probably change in the near future. But uh, something that's risen to the top are we have a body wash quad, which has, you know, various four different scents of our body washes. And we have about, I believe it's nine different scents on the store. But for people that, you know, are new to the site, haven't purchased from us, they're telling us that they want to sample our products and sample uh, multiple of our scents to, you know, either find the one that they're going to be loyal to, loyal to, or they're just that kind of person. I'm someone that switches up my body wash quite frequently, just out of curiosity on what's out there. So it totally made sense to me that people that have yet to purchase um, were going for bundles because it's a great intro into the brand and, you know, various categories. And it is kind of uh, a way to handhold you if you are overwhelmed with the, the choices on the site. We have a ton of different categories, a ton of different scents. So that was an effective test that now we were pushing bundles, you know, very heavily anyways to, to people that have yet to convert. But it kind of validates that hypothesis and it's something that we're going to you know, continue to, to do. Is it something you see in acquisition as well in top of funnel acquisition that new people coming in from ads are also interested in the samples? Yes. So very much so uh, that body wash quad has been really performing uh, on the acquisition side as well. We do an interesting thing to note. This was more on the acquisition side. So, you know, we did a few emails around this, but during June pride month, we did a limited edition pride pack, essentially a bundle. And that crushed it on, on the acquisition side. It was insane looking at those numbers. It's one of our best sellers of the year and it was only available for June. So yeah, it the, the whole bundle concepts, you know, I think people are into it and especially, you know, something to consider, um, which is one of the tricky things with, uh, you know, working on retention for brand that's also in stores and, um, walmart.com amazon.com the retention metrics that i'm really focused on are for everymanjack.com but i know i mean i personally i i purchase our products sometimes from target i try and you know to purchase from our own site but sometimes i'm in target already and i walk past the men's grooming aisle and it's like okay i'm almost out let me just purchase right now so it's it, we need to give people a reason to come to our website when they have alternatives they can literally just go to a target or a whole foods so you know making bundling things um, having online exclusives um, allowing them to kind of stock up and give them an offer the right offer to the right person uh really you know uh is one of the key things that we have to factor in because it doesn't make sense to just come to our site and buy one body wash you know shipping costs all of that it just doesn't make sense so bundles are a huge effort. That's really interesting just because you you know we don't talk to as many brands that have been around as, as long as every man jack has. And so you've got this huge legacy of of, of business in these brick and mortar stores. Uh, that's got to be you know in some ways that's got to be a big advantage in other ways as you're just sort of mentioning uh, you know, like I think even if you think it must help the ads as well, if you're going to go to, you know, target every, you know, couple times a month, whatever you see your, your, you know, the product on the shelf, then you're more likely to, to notice it when you see ads for it as well. It's an, it's an interesting factor. Are there downsides to having a brand that has such a long legacy in retail? Yeah. Um, 
not too many downsides. Honestly, it's it's nice. Uh, you have, you know, I, I've come into a company where uh, there's more resources. Um, so we've been around longer, higher budgets, higher brand recognition. And so, yeah, my kind of, the one that I struggle with a little bit, though I do just kind of try and focus on everymanjack.com. But there is that, there's all these numbers and data uh, around the people that aren't purchasing from the site, which is kind of a mystery. Uh, so, I, you know, I know I know our conversion rates and how many uh, sales are driven from specific emails, but I would love to know of those people that saw that email announcing our new sea salt body wash bar or body bar, excuse me. I would love to know, you know, how many people saw that, were thrilled that we have a new product and went to Target to get it. That's That's kind of the downside that I find. But we have a product that people love, um, and there's a lot more people aware of it than you know other smaller companies that I've worked in in the past. So there's, of course, you know there's downsides on you know perhaps like the logistical sides where uh, someone in in retail places a, a huge order and some of the the ecom stock has to go there, and you know it affects like the inventory on our website. But those are kind of smaller things, but. Yeah, generally, I would say it's mostly positive. So you uh, are a self-described email automation junkie. I think you love you love your email automations. Can you just talk a little bit about your philosophy with email automations? How you know are, are you? How long are you engaging people on your on your flows and your automations? Are you building content for you know weeks, months in advance, or just talk talk to me a little bit about how you set up automations? Yeah, for sure. Um, so automations. Are crucial. Um, you know, it, the numbers vary, but generally, uh, I would say on average, you know, it's a pretty even split in terms of revenue um, generated from our automated flows versus campaigns. Um, and it just, you know, in terms of resources, and I think it's just a, a, a way to work smarter and not harder is really by focusing on automations, especially um, when you're kind of ramping up. They are not a set it and forget it thing. I feel like a lot of people think that. And I, I early in my career, you know, I would set up an abandoned cart flow and not look at it, you know, as long as it was still generating revenue for, for months. And that's definitely not a smart way to go about it. You constantly have to, to make updates and tweaks. But yeah, automations um, are really something I think you, every, you know, marketer, uh, email marketer should uh, prioritize because, just longer tail, um, you know, wins for you. So it's really starting your kind of welcome flow, um, the abandoned cart, abandoned checkout. Uh, those are crucial. Um, How many emails in your welcome flow? Four. Four. And can you describe them a little bit? Like what's the, what's the journey people get taken on? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's slightly different uh, if you've made a purchase before, uh, but general welcome flow, uh, you know, we, have uh, a little under a paragraph. We've a big effort we've been making recently is trying to shorten content, uh, make it more focused, but kind of, you know, a brand building thing talking about that we're very much, you know, naturally derived outdoor inspired is a big ethos for our company and our product. And um, we're about, you know, as much about our products, of course, as we are about um, content around the great outdoors. Um, So, uh, there's a little bit of that brand building in the first one. Of course, the offer that we promised right now, we're doing free gift. We've done a bunch of testing around this, you know, 10% off, free gift, free shipping, free gift has been really performing the past few months. And then 
buttons towards uh, all of our different categories. Um, it's that feature is only in this first email. I generally like to have a, you know one, maybe two distinct calls to action. But this first one, I really kind of want to convey the the breadth of our our categories. Then comes uh, a kind of deeper dive into the the outdoor aspect of the brand. So this is kind of more storytelling, and we have a, a robust ambassador influencer network. So kind of conveying that there, and a few links to our blog posts and then social channels. And then there is a push. This was actually something we've tested recently, but I mentioned that sampler pack. Um, so again, that was something that just naturally started rising to the top of our best sellers. So we have a push towards that, which is really kind of like around that that sample messaging, or it's you know, if you have still not decided what you want, uh, try our try our sense. Um, that's proven very successful. That has a really high open rate right now. I think in the upper forty percent for you know a third email and a welcome flow. I, I think is pretty good. It was definitely testing better than what we had prior. And then the last one is um, more towards concerns. So we have products, you know, for people with acne, uh, thinning hair, you know, all of these different um, just men's grooming concerns. So that is that's kind of the the final element in that um, welcome flow is like if they still have not decided like what they're after. Um, we want to address their concerns and help kind of push them that way. And then you mentioned earlier, I think the really good point that you had about automations versus, you know, campaigns and that is that a lot of people do have that set it and forget it mentality. How do you, what's your cycle? Do you, do you, do you sort of like go through, do you just sort of keep an eye on the, the critical conversion points and the critical data points at, at each one of these automations, for instance, or are you on sort of a cycle where you'll look at things over time? How do you make sure that you're always, uh, you know, optimizing on that automation front? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, I think I almost look at them too much. So I, I definitely learned my lesson from, again, early in my career, set it up, kind of forget about them for months at a time. Um, and I'm just fascinated by them. Um, I, I love you know creating a, a great campaign, but I take a lot of inspiration from what other brands do. My inbox is insane, um, just the amount of emails I get from other brands. Uh, and there's a lot of um, things that I take away from those. So I am actively working on trying to like slow down and come up with you know my to-do list and really allow tests to have the a smart amount of time to really like see what's working and not because there's just so many things I want to try. So it's kind of a, a constant churn, if you will. Uh, not a great term <laughs> in the e-commerce <laughs> space, but yep. uh, different uh, from that. But yeah, it's, you know, I'll, I'll kind of really focus on one, um, one flow, you know, every week, every two weeks and try and chip away as opposed to like, okay, here's our monthly audit what's all the updates we have to do across the board. Um, just that continuous flow. And you have to find that balance between innovation where you, you want to test new things that you think will be good versus really following what the data says. I think that's a challenge yes. that all email marketers have. No, absolutely. Uh, the data, I mean, the, the data is just, it's the compass uh, and you, you really have to keep your eye on it because um, sometimes there's crazy weeks um, where, you know, uh, and this is one of the, the kind of nice things around the, like DTC Twitter community, I find reassurance sometimes when it's just we have a random, you know, not great performance week, and I see other people tweeting about it. Seems like this is across the board for ecom. So, um, 
yeah, there's just the data is the North star um, and kind of very important. And the community point you bring up can't be uh, underestimated and Twitter, especially yep. uh, follow us at D2C newsletter uh, on Twitter. We're going to be putting some more energy there, but just, you know, this is something we think about all the time. We haven't really talked about, but this like this kind of category of entrepreneur and marketer mm-hmm. and employee or, you know, whatever, whatever we all are in this space. Like it's, it's a really interesting movement, I think. And, and I think that ability to like our ability to be so open and to share what's working and to, sh- and to commiserate yep. and to complain and moan or whatever, but like, it's really unique in the, in the history of a workforce, I feel like. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I feel, I mean, a hundred percent confident in saying this, but I've learned more just on Twitter uh, about marketing, about e-commerce than I ever did in school. Uh, it's a hundred percent, you know, like that's where I've learned the most over the past. Um, I started in email marketing about nine years ago in really my focus switched towards e-commerce about four or five years ago. Um, and that's really like when I moved into the e-com space, like that's really where, you know, it takes a little bit of work to adjust and fine tune your, your Twitter feed, if you will. Uh, but now when I go on, it's just going back to that, you know, constantly being inspired about new things to test in automations. Like I pull it up every day and I'm like, okay, here's five new things that are, um, you know, other founders, marketers are, are tweeting about is working for them. So it's, it's a fantastic space. And I know Twitter gets crazy around like politics and stuff, but in e-com, I love it. Yeah. It, you got, you got to be careful that we, we've talked about a few brands yeah. that, that, uh, that are able to, to play in that space, but probably best to stay away from politics. That's something we, we hold on to here pretty closely. Need high quality, fully licensed UGC? With MiniSocial, you can produce beautiful, authentic, and fully licensed user-generated content featuring your products with micro-influencer creators. D2C brands like Native, Olipop, Hydrant, and others love working with MiniSocial as a way to populate their organic social acquisition channels, website, and beyond, while also competing dollar for dollar with traditional influencer activations on Instagram and TikTok. Get started on a campaign at minisocial.com today. Let's talk a little bit about your content marketing. Like, so the, the area that you guys focus in mainly is this whole like natural product space, uh, out, outdoor sort of style content. Is that like, is that really the world that you guys, you guys operate in most? Yeah, our customer, and it varies, um, but our, our customer is generally, you know, millennial male, active, uh, loves, you know, hiking, camping, surfing. That it, it's definitely a very strong part of our brand ethos. Um, our founder is like a triathlete. It's, you know, we're, we're catered marketing towards kind of active guys. It's nice though. Our products are, you know, the scents are natural scents. So it's not, you know, these kind of artificial scents that are just, I don't know what they smell like, but um, a lot of women use our products too. Um, again, sandalwood is not exclusively a male scent. We have citrus, sea salt. So while yes, the brand is very much, you know, marketed towards men. Um, we do also market towards women um, in strategic ways. But uh, a lot of our imagery, if you go to our site, um, we just actually launched our first um, OTT uh, video ad uh, about two weeks ago. And a lot of the content you'll see are, you know, guys outside. A big thing that you will now see kind of here on out is uh, kind of that whole van life. You know, you have to have an outdoor shower with the if you're traveling in the US in a van. Um, so we've kind of jumped on that and yeah, a lot of the content, you know, we have been working on our blog. That's been a big effort that I've led in the past few months. 
we brought on a great copywriter, which uh, is the biggest, I don't think this is a surprise, but like the biggest hack that I've uncovered. I'd never, I used to do all of our copy and almost all of our design to at previous roles for email. And having a designer and a copywriter has like unlocked so much of my bandwidth for more strategic thinking. But, you know, about 50-50, our, our blog is grooming tips, um, what to do if you have thinning hair. And then, you know, the other 50% is our favorite. We literally just published today uh, our top 10 West Coast hikes. Um, and our best performing blog of the year was around uh, the top eight national parks that have not been swarmed by the masses that's not exactly the title i can't remember what it is but this is like when zion was on your instagram feed five times a week uh we wanted to create content around like here's some alternatives to um you know zion and the grand canyon uh and that has just like really engaged our audience that's awesome. That's a really great example of, of, of your core audience going to a, a, you know, a tertiary space that they're all kind of interested in and really dialing in on the brand. That van life is interesting. I, I see them on mm-hmm. TikTok all the time, the different people living you know, yep. on the road and they've got definitely got that like, you know, modern Kerouac vibe. You mentioned OTT this is something we almost never talk about. Is it, do you have any results in from uh, your over the top media service experiment? I wish I did. So that is something that um, our the guy kind of running our ads uh, handle. So I haven't personally seen any of those metrics yet. Um, I know we have millions of views, <laughs> which is very exciting. Uh, it's mm-hmm. only been up for, uh, I believe, a week or two. Um, but yeah, it's uh, something I'm super pumped about. This is the first company I've worked for that, you know, we have a commercial airing. Um, So it's, it's something we're scaling that kind of campaign and I'm creating email content and, you know, behind the scenes stuff on the, the creator who really filmed that footage. Um, So we're kind of in the very early stages of that campaign, but yeah, it does seem to be thus far without hard metrics to give you. It does seem to be uh, making the performance team happy. Now you're an OG in the email space and one of the OG technologies that's been around forever. And I don't know that I've seen it used to perfection yet is the QR code. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what are some innovative ways that you've seen the QR code used in, uh, in the retention side of your business? That's a really good question. And something I I've been in the past, maybe two months, the QR code is something that I have really been looking into and kind of doing research on. So, um, you know, if you ask me this question, pre-COVID, uh, I would have very little thought on QR codes. Um, they've obviously, you know, people know how to use them now. And then in the e-com space, uh, there's two brands that I have really kind of, that really stand out to me. So there's Batch and then Repeat, like getrepeat.io. And I fully intend on, you know, I, I intend on using both of those. Hopefully we end up doing that. Um, but I... I see a ton of great use cases. So um, one example, and this is our current little foray into QR codes, just done ourselves. We're a sponsor of Tough Mudder. So at every Tough Mudder event across the US, um, the showers are stocked with our products. We have, you know, brand activations all over. We have a booth um, where they're, you know, doing spin the wheel, win some free samples. And we have kind of handouts there and also um, just a big QR code on on the tent where you scan it, um, opt into uh, to SMS, we send you a link to a, a branded landing page with an exclusive offer there. 
and that's in terms of conversions. I mean, it's not a massive amount of, um, we haven't had like a huge amount of people sign up for it just cause they're out of tough mutter and you know, there's a lot of other things going on there. Um, but that kind of small test in terms of like people that go through that whole flow and end up purchasing, the numbers have been great. Um, so that's been a, a small QR code test that we've done to this point, but speaking of samples or, or like flyers, um, you know, on the sample side, something that we're in the early stages of planning right now is kind of our sample strategy for 2022. And there is huge value in including if you have a new product or um, just introducing customers to to new products that they haven't purchased yet. And I would love to have a QR code. I mean, maybe it starts out just a sticker, and then eventually, we actually have that as part of the the packaging. But you know, you run through your little DO sandal or sample and scan it and are able to reorder right there. So that's something that batch I know is that's their kind of big use case. And I've, I, I know that um, they are, you know, sometimes in like gym bathrooms, you can scan it and, and purchase right there. And then repeat.io, uh, you know, they email SMS, but also QR codes, you can scan and it, you know, pre-fills your basket. Um, with the the contents that you ordered before, so I uh, am very excited about QR codes, and I think there's a lot to to play around with there, and I'm very eager to do so for 2022. You got to get it on the package so that when you're in store, That's, you can yeah. say learn about our bundles on it, so you can actually like infiltrate a little bit. That is that is the goal. That to go back to the question around challenges around you know being a bigger brand. It's it's probably, you know, I'm not on the merchandising side, but I would assume it's a lot easier to do that when you're creating a smaller amount of uh, products in bulk at, at, at once. And yeah, things move a little slower in a larger company, but that is the ultimate goal for sure. Speaking of the merchandising side, you don't, you maybe can't speak to this too much, but uh, Everyman Jack recently did a deal and a partnership with Disney. Marvel. Uh, oh, with Marvel specifically to, you know, and, and I'm very curious, A, t- what can you tell me about this, about how it came about? How has it affected your biz? And how did you determine that what Captain America smells like? <laughs> Great question. Yeah. So this partnership did come about before I joined the team. So kind of the history of how it um, started, I, I don't have too many insights on, but Marvel's huge. Like that's not something that can be denied. Um, it is our going kind of back towards like the the bundle conversation. So another one of our top sellers is our uh, Marvel body wash set. So it's for uh, we have scents for um, Spider Man, Captain America, Iron Man, and Black Panther. Um, and so this bundles up all of those body washes, and that's a top seller. For acquisition, again, that performs really well, bringing people in. Uh, it's huge amongst our female audience. Uh, huh. It's, I believe, 60 or 70% female purchasers. And, you know, a lot of that can be purchasing for the family, for kids that are huge Marvel fans. Um, though, I mean, everyone's a Marvel fan these days. So yep. uh, that's probably a too general statement. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's huge. And that's also kind of a fun exercise that uh, we were working on this week is like looking at the upcoming Marvel slates, um, release dates and starting to kind of build strategy around that. Um, for example, uh, Spider-Man Day was, I think that was last month. But, you know, of course, we, we sent out an email around that huge engagement around it. Um, more so than I expected, it was trending on Twitter. 
Uh, and I was like, oh, wow. And it performed really well in terms of kind of a flash sale around um, our, our Spider-Man line. So th those Marvel products, I mentioned the body wash, but they all have um, a deodorant, hand soap, um, you know, various different products um, tied to those those characters. Which is your favorite? I guess you said you like to you like to test multiple ones, but of the Avengers ones, for instance, which which do you like the best? Uh, Iron Man. Nice. Yeah, it's a the, like a woodsier scent, um, and that I, I tend to lean towards. But uh, yeah, I, I bounce around. I'm on our sea salt uh, scent right now, which I think is my new favorite. I, I came into the brand. I'd been an Everyman Jack user, you know, for years. Sandalwood was usually my go-to, and that's one of our te uh, top sellers. Sandalwood and cedarwood have consistently they they were the first, and they've always been our best sellers. But um, sea salt has been quickly rising to the ranks for sure. I'm hearing more and more information just about how almost every like unnatural smell that you smell is probably bad for you. You know, like almost every perfumey type thing or every totally synthetic chemical kind of smell is actually like not very good for you. And so it's, in so I can just see this like natural sense, natural body wash, you know, world just getting bigger and bigger. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it's one of those things where, I don't know where the shift happens, but, you know, growing up, I used Old Spice. I used, uh, I had my Axe phase, I'm sure. Uh, and those scents, I have, could not tell you what they were supposed to smell like. They kind of are neon, you know, whatever color yeah. and smell just crazy. And naturally, no pun intended, I think it makes sense for um, scents that you kind of recognize. It, it's simpler, um, less just artificial. Totally. Uh, and like when you step back and think about it, I, I think most people prefer, you know, lavender as opposed to uh, a neon blue mystery scent. Yeah, no matter how funny the commercials are, yep. um, which which they did do a good job with. So uh, speaking of brands, also you must keep a pretty close eye on other D2C brands being in the D2C community on Twitter, looking at what other companies are doing in regarding retention. What are a couple other D2C brands that you think are just crushing it out there? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, yeah, you're totally right. Uh, it there's so many out there. I mean, in our space, uh, in men's grooming space, there's been a huge influx in the past couple of years. Um, so there's brands like Huron, um, Black Wolf, uh, Disco. There's obviously Dr. Squatch is a huge one. And they play in a similar space to us. They're also very kind of targeted towards out outdoor-minded guys. One that I uh, follow their founder, Lily, um, on Twitter is three ships. She's been on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I love, I mean, it's obviously targeted more towards women though. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I won't speak out of turn, but um, I think they have new stuff coming, but uh, they, I, it's just such a, it's the way they name their products and speak about their products. In my view, it's their brand tone yeah. and specifically the way they name their products as this like clever entendre that actually makes you think it's going to solve the problem, you know, or they, they describe solving the problem in the name. They do everything right. Um, yeah. I, I always am going to their site for inspiration and just the way they, you know, do their product descriptions. They're just every kind of all the content on there is so meticulously thought through. Um, and I love that just their, their content, their emails, their texts, it's really, they're really good at speaking directly to the customer um, and making it, you know, feel like a really kind of one-to-one -one relationship where you get a kind of peek into their brand and, you know, Lily and their, their team on Twitter uh, are also like extremely transparent around what they're testing and what's working and what's not working. So 
Um, that's one that really I, I've learned a lot from and taken a lot of inspiration from. Okay, last question. If we were to give you a $50,000 uh, grant uh, to use on the retention side of your, usually we're talking with marketers and they're just like, I'll put it into ads. I'll put it, you know, put it into creative. But I'm curious, if we were to give you a grant, where would you put it in your, you know, within your purview right now to see the biggest impact? So luckily, uh, and this is something I've always kind of appreciated just around like, you know, budgeting and all of that. I don't, you know, require a huge budget. Email, SMS, SMS is more expensive, but it, it's all relatively cheap when you compare it to, you know, the amount we're spending on Facebook and other ads. Um, a, a thing that a space, a channel that I've been kind of exploring recently, um, that is pricey, but also I think worth it. And we have not moved forward with it yet is around SEO. Mm. Um, so one of the good things about being a, a known and recognized brand is when I came in, um, just across the board, our, our SEOs, we have plenty of backlinks. Uh, we have a good domain authority. Um, we did have to do a lot of work on updating kind of like meta descriptions, title tags, all of that was actually one of the first projects I did because that wasn't really paid attention to um, before. But yeah, I think, you know, especially just kind of with the the tumult with, um, you know, iOS 14, 15, really investing in having a very like strong content SEO strategy in the long term is probably a really wise use of that money just so that, um, you know, people that are Googling, not uh, especially around our brand, but say it's uh, charcoal deodorant, we we appear for them. Um, I, I'm a huge content person. I started in content marketing. That was like my first marketing uh, title was a content marketer. Um, so I've always just found a lot of value in, you know, blog content, on-page content. So I think that is a wise investment is to really like make sure that foundation is there and that you're discoverable without, you know, having to, to spend on, you know, social acquisition. It's less flashy, right? Like it's not, you can't just like put the money exactly. in and see, and see the sales right away, but it's and it takes things, a long time. It takes a long time, but it like everyone we're going through this right now where we're looking at our, for instance, our open rates from users that we acquire from different platforms versus the ones that come from organic, you know, from discovering us organically. And they're just, they're higher quality, you know, consumers of our, of our content. And so just finding ways to maximize that is, is in, in, in every brand's interest, especially in light of what we're seeing uh, in the data apocalypse that we're all kind of going through right now. Yeah. And no, absolutely. And then what's, we got to, we, we, just for our last question too, we got to, since we're here, speaking of data apocalypse, we've talked a little bit about iOS. 15 or last last week's podcast we did a little bit about what brands can kind of do what 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 where's your head at about ios 15 in the coming months there's so much kind of uncertainty around it uh it is going to be very interesting i am thus far remaining calm about it i think we'll be okay uh it's really you know we're working especially we've had a few conversations with my designer and copywriter this week um around really just starting to focus on increasing our click-through rate um, so I know open rate has obviously been a, a huge kind of guiding star metric, sort of a vanity metric, but still very helpful. Um, but I think it's really going to come down to just making sure that we have a healthy and strong click through rate um, and really focus on that. Uh, because, yeah, uh, we need some sort of North Star. And I think that's going to be the new one. Um, so, yeah, just getting kind of tweaking our mindsets and how we you know design. and. Um, 
create the the emails. Nice. The one piece that we chatted about uh, in this past podcast that I'll reiterate too, that may be valuable is just pre-segmentation as well. Know that, know that, you know, so that you don't see a 10% drop in your aggregate, you know, overall rate. If you, if you're isolating these users and you'll know to expect an open rate drop there and the rest of your stuff should kind of remain similar. So that, that, that sounds like one action item you can take not to mitigate the change, but just to prepare for it mentally. Yeah, having your benchmarks um, just for everything uh, is we've been huge on on just data capture and collection and um, just having those benchmarks around like segment performance and uh, all of that um, is yeah, that's a, a we always consistently constantly updating those but um, just really having a handle on that before things start to go a little wonky is hugely important. Nice. If you want to smell like an Avenger, you can go to EverymanJack, a natural Avenger, which I like. My Avenger's natural. Uh, you can go to EverymanJack.com and check them out. If you want to get in touch with Troy, I would imagine Twitter's the place to go. How can they find you there? Yeah, easy. It's just my name. So at Troy Petronoff, it's P-E-T-R-U-N-O-F-F, Pet Run Off. Um, yeah, just my name. So I'm easy to find. We know Troy likes to collaborate, D2C listeners. So if you're listening to this, make sure you hit him up on Twitter. Tell him you listen to the podcast. Um, and thanks again, Troy. I think uh, it'd be great to uh, keep in touch with you guys. I'd love to, if you, if you talk to your acquisition person, let them know that I'd be interested to, to chat about the, the OTT test if it goes well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited to see kind of how that all, that all unfolds. It's our biggest campaign to date. So um, very excited. All right, man. Thanks again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.